let's uh, let's do this as always. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chiluminati Podcast, episode eighteen. Yeah, yeah, worthy of noises, episode eighteen. I'm uh, excited. I'm excited for this one. Me, me too. Uh, we are diving back into the the world of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and tackling uh, the lady we spoke about last episode just a little bit, Jane Toppin, also known as the Angel of Death and uh, or an Angel of Mercy in some people's uh, minds, a Devil in Disguise, uh, one of the most prolific female serial killers to ever exist, and probably one of the most prolific serial killers to exist in that time period in general. Um, while we don't have a very specific number of how many she's killed, uh, the estimates are somewhere around 100. Both delighted and horrified to be back on a similar theme. Yes, the yes. We're going to cover this one. And then uh, n- next episode, we go into the paranormal world again. We got to get like a, a breath this of air. why people don't trust doctors. <laughs> a body count of 100? Somewhere over 100. The reason we'll never know, and we'll talk a little bit about it. We'll talk a lot about it, obviously, but... Uh, after she was convicted, the hospitals that she worked at would, would refuse, to, refuse to release the records of her old patients because they were too worried about their own... Um, like lawsuits and shit? Yeah, there, well, it was less less lawsuits, but more of their... Uh, what do you call it? Reputation. Reputation. There's a word. For some reason, reputation was not coming to my brain. Yeah, we don't, we don't worry about that, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing that gets me is that that other one, it's like there's no idea how many... How many people she killed yeah. when she was working for that doctor? I, I I would love to just hear from somebody out there who has some more insight into that. There has to be somebody, right? Well, I think that's the point: is that the reason they become nurses or doctors or whatever the case may be is because you can kill people who are technically already dying of something. Yeah, she would actually use that as an excuse uh, a, a lot of the time. Uh, she killed because they were already going to die anyway. So who cares? Um, Who exactly. cares? Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, but that's you know she's a psychopath. That's that's the point. Um, Does but- that work with any jury and anywhere? Who no. cares? No. Oh, God, no. you know what? You're fucking right. Let's just <laughs> yeah. Let you go. know what? Who cares about? I didn't know Who that cares? fucking person. Who gives Fuck a shit? That's why, in the eyes of a killer, you're an angel of mercy because you're like, I'm putting them out of their misery. Exactly. You do it to a dog. Why not a man? But like that kind of crazy stuff. But you just secretly, you just, you know, you want to kill him, and you're killing him. Right, but a lot of killers have to justify why they kill because they don't want to s- look at themselves like they're monsters. They don't see themselves that way. Right, That's even like though they when totally I get are. A Diet Coke with my with my ha- with my like Big Mac meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same oh yeah, thing. no, you're eating healthy because it's Same a Diet exact Coke. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Diet Coke is the they're gonna die of a disease anyway of drink choices at a fast. What's well, like right. a Coke Zero then? Yeah. Diet Coke is the Jane Toppin of drinks. A Coke Zero is just taking care of them, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) helping them, helping them back to health, being a a nurse, being the nurse. Uh, Well, Jane Toppin's a little different than a lot of female serial killers. We're going to actually go over a few statistics before we get down there. But before we do, as always, a big shout out to uh, assistant researchers, um, both Nathan Leonard and Deanna Davis. Uh, They they went real deep on this one for for me and uh, pulled up quite a few references uh, outside of the book that uh, all of us actually ended up reading. uh, The researchers myself, Fatal by Harold Schechter. Great little book. Um, Also, other things is um, that we pulled some statistics from is a study uh, in a study of serial killers from since 1846 up into the 1950s um, by in a book called Serial Murders and Their Victims. 
as well as Lethal Ladies, revisiting what we know about female serial killer, the Journal of Forensic Psychiatry and Psychology, and the Journal of Forensic Psychiatry and Psychology 26330 numbers referencing the actual document. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about uh, when it comes to Jane Toppin, specifically her her motive, her drive. So a lot of um, a lot of serial killers, as we talked about last episode, they're product killers, right? They 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 kill because they want the end product, whether that be money, whether that be the body itself or or whatever the the actual act of of the murder the is not what they to want an end. It's yeah it's a means to, to an, an end. end um whereas jane toppin is actually a what we would call like a process killer she enjoyed the process of the actual killing that is what she got off on um and she was one of the very very few uh female serial killers who killed for sexual pleasure she was uh in in a study that uh jane toppin Jane Toppin was a sexual serial killer. Whoa, yep. I didn't know that at, like element of this. Yeah, uh, so for females specifically, um, usually the reason that they kill is material money or gain, so product killing. Um, and usually the, the statistic for them is around 74%. So 74% of female serial killers do it for the end goal. Um, 24% do it for miscellaneous reasons, drugs, cult involvement, cover up feelings of inadequacy. Kind of just, it's a smorgasbord of things that it that covers. That is a smorgasbord that went all, yep. uh, drugs, cult. Yeah, cult. cult. <laughs> Which means like, it's like, you know, somebody who was doing this study, like ran across like two ladies who were cult killers for whatever this reason. Is a He's wheel like, of fortune cult. category that is at Potpourri. one, at one thing, a list of, a list of things that a serial killer might be yep. motivated by but also my netflix search history um 13 of female serial killers usually kill because of the control it brings uh the just the power which jane definitely dips a couple of toes in there um also 11 do it out of just the sheer enjoyment of it and then 10 the last 10 do it for the sexual gratification that they get out of it jane kind of dips her toes into control and enjoyment, but she is firmly, the rest of her body sits in the sex part, and that we'll, uh, we'll talk about that after. As a comparison, uh, male serial killers, 55% of male serial killers kill for sexual gratification. Almost all 55%? of them, majority. 55%? Yep. 55%. Like the yeah. Yeah, makes that sense. makes... That makes a lot of sense. Comparatively yep. to women, it makes sense. Yep. Uh, men then following that, control, right under sex at 29%, money under that, enjoyment under that and then after that it's like racism hatred mental issues cult inspired at the very bottom and then just cult for attention two percent uh, just for attention yeah two percent of males do it for attention what is like oh like the zodiac killer yeah yeah uh, i see the last thing we'll cover uh statistically just so you understand where jane sits the methods female serial killers almost always kill with poison 80 percent uh use poison Followed by 20% shootings, 16% bludgeoning, and then 16% suffocation. Followed by 11% of stabbing and 5% drowning. Compared to males, which 41%, the majority of them use firearms. Shortly, like right underneath at 37% suffocation, 34% uh, stabbing. Then bludgeoning, firearms, poison, drowning, and then other at 2%. Other? Yeah, don't know what other is. Laser Just gun? Other, yeah, laser gun. Uh, Bond villain-style concoctions. Sharks with freaking laser guns on their heads. <laughs> exactly. That You didn't even try. You didn't even, like, try. You know, no, I don't have. Know. I don't have a Dr. Evil. What do you guys expect from me? What do you want from <laughs> Apparently me? Apparently more. more than that. More is the answer. 
<laughs> give me sharks with freaking laser beams on their no. heads. No. You know what? It's even a bad reference. It's like a 20-year-old reference. <laughs> this is just I not am good. washed up. I where, where did the time go? <laughs> this is the black and white version of Logan right Thank now. Thank God we watching. got you at like the, your twilight years in your career for this show. Just before I died. Yeah. yeah. They got yeah. me. The last interviews. The last tapes. Yeah. Well... Let's talk about Jane Toppin, shall we? Or should we say born, her actual birth name was Honora Kelly. Uh, she was Honora. born. Whoa, yeah. whoa. Honora Kelly. Yeah. Uh, she was born in 1857. Honora? H-O-N-O-R-A. That's one of those. Unless you say Honora. 1800s. Yeah, late, like yeah, no, 18, 1800s. 1857. Honora? Yeah. Honora? Oh, Honora seems better. Yep. <laughs> um. She was born to a father by the name of Peter Kelly and the wife, Bridget Kelly, and had a couple of sisters, Delilah Kelly and Nellie Kelly. Not much is known about her mother. Shut um, up. She did not have a sister named Nellie Kelly. Yes, she did. That sucks. <laughs> That's <laughs> the name or just having a sister named Nellie. Both. Kelly. Both. Both. Really? It would be yeah. like a thing you had to apologize for your whole life. Right? <laughs> I guess. Uh so not much is like I said, not much is known about her mother. Uh, her mother died when she was very young of consumption. Or, oh, the consumption. Or who knows, arsenic poisoning. God knows at this point could be either one. Um, could have been the other one. And uh, Peter Kelly was a horrible father. Uh, he did not keep custody of his children for very long. Uh, he was a tailor, a chronic drunk, prone to violent outbursts. Um, allegedly institutionalized at some point for trying to sew his eyes shut which was after he gave Holy up his children. Holy shit. Yeah. And then in 1863, he gave six-year-old uh, Jane, who was on her at the time, and eight-year-old Delilah to the Boston Female Asylum, which is where really our story picks up. So if you don't know what the Boston Female Asylum is, it was a, a building set up in the very early 1800s. I think it was like 1803. Um, and it was for, uh, you know, parents or, or or orphaned young girls to go and, and get refuge more or less it seems like it was probably a awful building if honestly for the time it did a great service it did more good than bad um really? it was run by a board of all females so it was only women who ran ran the building oh, wow. uh and even to get accepted they actually the parents who were trying to give up their children had to basically fill out paperwork and apply uh, and they, in early on in its, in its career, they were very picky and choosy, but as time went on, um, they, they, they were a little bit more open about to who they were take, uh, who they take in, uh, in 1910, the organization was named, was changed from that to the Boston society for the care of girls instead of the Boston female asylum. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, so she was actually dropped off and, and given to, uh, the, the, uh, Boston female assignment, 1863, putting her at just like seven or eight years old, uh, as well as her sister Delilah, uh, who would stay there as well. Nellie Kelly did not end up going there. And the reason is to be believed that she was too old, uh, that she could not be bundled with the other two sisters. and They wouldn't take her because she was ended up to being too old. Um, and she commit, she was committed to an institution at the age of 20 later on for violent outbursts. Can I ask like a crazy question? Kind of off topic, but I feel like the two of you know exactly, like, you'll, you'll have answers for me. And maybe people listening to, did our perception and idea of what a, air quotes, modern family, what that is, only exist in the 50s, and then we just kind of imagine the 50s being, like, peak, because yes. every time we look back at the past, every time we do anything, it's like, man meets women, or, like, man meets woman, uh, they have, like, 16 kids, Woman dies, 
man leaves the kids because he doesn't care, and then <laughs> half the kids are dead, and then they move on. That's like the story of everyone from the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, and, and before that, it's even crazier. And then all of a sudden, you have this sort of like, even in the 20s, it wasn't like this. Yeah. And then suddenly, the 40s, 50s, you have this like, hey, everyone, welcome to perfect America. Would you, say, man, it's, woman, would you say it's a result of... Kids. Would you say that it, that kind of lifestyle is a result of post-World War II, like a post-World uh, War II world? It definitely is part of that. It's part of the whole baby boom and yeah. them being like, have Peace kids, me. GIs, when you come back. But I also think it has to do with, that was the first time there was like real television propaganda and they kept mm. showing you what the perfect family was. So I think people just... We're um, too big. We're too big. Like, at the time, you know, originally we had democracy because we needed to vote based on our needs as people but like now we have to simplify everything so there has to be like a standard family yeah you know? it's, it's it's crazy because I, I get all the different reasons in the past why you would have like eight kids because half those kids would be dead like i get the reasoning behind everything <laughs> hedging your bets <laughs> yeah that's truly what it was it was you know you had to make sure that you had kids to raise it was also kids would raise other kids and yep. kids would go work and it was a different it was a different world but it also seems like the idea that when everyone's like this, a family has always been a family, and it's always been no one, no, no, no one, definitely it. not hard false. That is no inaccurate. the idea. The idea that there is a family unit like that is like probably part of why there are serial killers in like the time when all those people that were born in the fifties like became like twenty two years old. <laughs> where, yeah, yeah, right yeah, when the sixties yeah. and seventies hit. I yeah. yeah, I can imagine like. Again, I, I think you have a point where, like, that's the time where television and radio and all that stuff could put forth these idyllic lifestyles. How many of those perfect families had, like, a, a father who was a massive violent alcoholic oh, and beat most their of family? The like, families of the 50s were fake. Yeah, exactly. Right? The idea was, like, dad was an asshole and mom was just drinking because she didn't mm -hmm. want to handle it. And yeah. the kids ended up becoming, you know, assholes, too. John that's Wayne Gacy. Mad about. Yeah, that's the actual yeah. plot of Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, so while Delilah and uh, Jane uh, did stay in the the Boston women uh, Bo Boston female asylum, God, that's such like a, a gross name. Even thinking about it, it's like very very kind of straightforward. I'm blown away that it's run completely by women in the at this time. That is yeah, that is that is worth noting. Well, let, let's also be very clear that the word asylum has a different connotation now. Um, also true. Yeah, also true. Uh, yeah, asylums back in in you know the 1800s were literally a place where you'd go for asylum. Mm, like it right. wasn't that's, Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it wasn't like a place uh we now associate it with like the asylum for the criminally insane, like it's a Batman villain locale. Yeah. But it, it way back when asylums existed literally just where people could go to be safe. It was a refuge. Yeah. And so in this case, they set the girls there because you can't keep the girls with that dad and it's a place run by women, they're gonna try and look out for them. It's true. just the idea. Well, maybe this family was just doomed from the start as well. With the mother dying so early, the father being a violent alcoholic who then kind of went nuts himself. Uh, Nellie, like I said, didn't even get to get go to the asylum, and she died. Uh, she was committed to an institution for violence at 20 years old. Um, Bridget uh, would also, uh, rather, sorry, Delilah, rather, or Delia is her name, would actually be in the asylum until 1868. Uh, when she, until she would eventually be placed as a servant in Athol, New York at the age of 12. Later, she turned to prostitution and eventually died a destitute alcoholic in squalid conditions. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, not, not great. Not great. So for those who don't know as well, what this asylum would do is they take the girls in, they would teach them uh, basic life 
lessons for females at the time. Sewing, cooking, that kind of thing. Uh, and then eventually what they would hopefully do is, is quote unquote, lend them out or hire them out to families that would then take the children in and basically use them as indentured servants. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. Especially um, a 12 year old, you're gonna send a 12 year old out to go work. Yeah, no, I yeah. get why like, she was like, like, we don't have the easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, easier and probably safer than where she, like, can you imagine being a 12 year old servant? That Right? Yeah, no, it's insane. I feel bad for her. Yeah, uh, well, it There's would happen probably to- probably like five success stories Ever. Yeah, there's there's like there's there's success stories, and obviously those are the ones that are are more talked about by by the actual uh, asylum at the time. But yeah, them being loaned out to where they would be abused by the family, whether it be sure. physically or sexually, was always happened. Um, but when they were done with their servitude and they became an adult, uh, the Boston Female Asylum would then give them fifty dollars as their stipend oh as they would God. as they would go out into the world and be adults now. Good luck, kind of out out there. Uh, for for Jane. She actually only spent a year there before she would be uh, put out into the world. Um, and at this time, she's still Honora? she's like she's she's still Honora until she goes to the family that renames her. Gotcha. Okay. So during this time at the the asylum, she just straight up changed her damn name. Yes. They're like, Correct. you're you're not this kid anymore. And now you're our kid. Yeah. She would take the last name of the family that would take her, and then she would have a new a new first name. Um, the reason is too, this is important as well, is, uh, her and her whole family were Irish at this time. And at the oh, time okay. they were looked down on, made fun of. Kelly, and, right. Yep, exactly. And Jane, while at the asylum, garnered a reputation for being a very, um, a very big storyteller. Lots of lies, uh, fantastic fantasies as her father being like a captain at sea and doing all these wonderful things. And what an amazing family she had before she had to be put here because her family had to go on and do great things. Typical childhood ways of dealing with trauma and ma sure. making it look like she's not as poor off as she actually is. Um, but she also was a big gossip person. She would spread lies and get people into trouble. But she was always conniving enough to never get the blame, so much so that the teachers adored Jane because she was a tattletale. She would rat everybody out, and it was impossible to determine whether she, the things she was saying were true or false because the, most of the time it was true, but then she started sprinkling falsehoods and lies because it made her feel good and empowered She's testing her. the boundaries, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's also an attention thing, right? She oh, got, absolutely. She got like, rewarded positively for ratting out friends or like other people that were there, and then... She would just keep doing it, and she could just make up stuff because she wanted that same feeling of like mm -hmm. positive attention. Yeah, yep. And that that was that would that would stick with Jane for the rest of her life. That that is something that she would always do, even into her adulthood. Um, but in 1863 and into 1864 is where Jane would be put into the the care of the Toppin family. Whoa, hold um, on. Uh, seven years old. Uh, so 1857 to 18, uh, 1864. Uh, yes. yes. Seven. Yep. Seven years old. So she was, she was out. She, she was got put out. made a servant at seven. Seven. Mm -hmm. Y'all, that is, that's yep. how serial killers born. That, that yeah. right there. Seven yeah. years old, you're yeah. a servant? Mm -mm. Yep. And wait, hold on. And then at seven, they just decide like, hey, we're going to change your name. That's crazy. You don't even that's... do that to a dog. Like you shouldn't right? do that. Yep. You shouldn't do that. It's like the dog will not do well. She actually willingly changed her name, supposedly. Uh, again, she's seven years old, so, you know, what kind of judgment call can she really make? Uh, but, yeah, she was indentured to Anne C. Toppin, uh, where, despite no formal adoption, she changed her name to Jane Toppin. Um, there are 
theories as to why she did it, but the biggest one is to try and ditch the, the Irish heritage. Because during her time with this family, um, not only did her tall tales uh, and lies continue, she started making uh, jokes and making fun of Irish people. Uh, people from her heritage looked down on them and basically kind of took the position that her foster family did uh, while her foster family continued to look down on her, but then Jane looked down on the Irish. It was another coping mechanism for her. Maybe uh, her family was super racist. So yeah. it's interesting um, because the as we move into her teen years here, um, it's interesting because Jane, there's a little bit of, of conflicting information. Uh, some sources say that Jane was abused by her foster mother uh, physically and verbally. There are other sources that say she was not abused, but she was just kind of... Uh, treated like a, a servant, uh, just kind of ignored, but well taken care of, fed, had a bed. Um, which one is real? Uh, me personally, I would probably err on the side of an abusive foster mother. It seems to be the norm back then, but there is a little bit of conflicting information there in case that that's important for people out there. Um, but from 1864 to 1873, Jane served. Um, she would lie about her heritage, blamed wrongdoings on other children in school that she was still going to at the time, uh, becoming popular with some and called outrageous and liar by others. She is a storyteller. Uh, and in, in 1874, she would be released from her duties in the Toppin family and given $50 as agreed, but continued to work for the Toppins for the next decade. Like so paid? She stayed with them. Uh, pay, not paid, but taken care of. Had a room, had food, had board, that kind of thing. I see. Yeah. Uh, all the while, uh, the Toppins did have their own daughter, Elizabeth. And through that, Toppin would watch, uh, Jane would watch Elizabeth. And Elizabeth would get the treatment she so desperately would want from the family. You know, true love, taken care of, uh, treated like a proper daughter. And all those years, almost two decades worth of, of watching Elizabeth be treated like an actual daughter of theirs would sit and stew with Jane forever because she desperately wanted what she believes she deserved, uh, but was un unrightfully taken away from her uh, over the I course of, of years. I kind of agree with her. You know? Yeah, of course. You, it's a little girl. There's always that moment. There's always those years when you're looking back at a, at a monster and you really go through their history and their childhood is usually the point where you're like, man, if things had gone a little different. Yeah. What would have happened? If she's a sociopath, that doesn't mean she would have become a psychopath serial killer, you know? But you, you look at this and you're like, man, if she had just been taken care of even a little bit, uh, what, what would it have been like for her? Reach but, out, people. Yeah, always reach out. Absolutely. That's a good, a good lesson to take away. But that's where the conflicting information is interesting because there are just information. There's other reports out there that say Jane was not necessarily loved like Elizabeth, but not also, like, neglected and ignored. Um, but... You know, at that point, at seven years old, that we don't know what happened in those first six years of Jane's childhood with her father. We have no idea what life was like. It could have been too late. She could have been beyond destroyed at that point mentally. But uh, then in, in adulthood, uh, things would, would we'd start to see the Jane that we're going to talk the most about. The Jane that would kill. The Jane that did not actually favor arsenic, but in, instead favored a nice concoction of morphine and atropine. Whoa. I don't know if, yeah, I think we all know what morphine is, uh, but atropine is a horrible a little drug that when poisoned can cause massive stomach problems, a closed throat, uh, coma-induced kind of uh, mixed with, with morphine. You'd basically be in a coma where you'd be dying slowly because the atropine would be killing you and the morphine would keep you under. It was, it was kind of a rough combo, and that was, that was what she used for the most part. Um, wow. Yeah. 
Uh, but between 1874 and 1885, Jane did continue to work for the Toppins, working for Elizabeth when Mrs. Toppin eventually died. And Elizabeth... So she, just going on this, she yep, hasn't yep. killed anyone yet. Not yet. She is working for this... The mom dies. Yep. Now she's working for the girl she was jealous of. Oh, yeah. And now she's like 30? Yep, we're in 1885. She's like in her late 20s or 28 early 30s? in 1885. Yep, she's there you like go, late 20s. Pair. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just been working for these people the entire time. This is a strange origin story, but okay. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird. Uh, all the while. Like of course, of course, this prison is a serial killer. <laughs> kind of. Um, all the while as well, she was described as portly and plain. J- plain Jane. Jane was not a looker to a lot of people. Uh, it is alleged she was being courted by someone uh, for a few years while she lived with Elizabeth. Uh, and then that that person ran off and ended up marrying somebody a few states away uh, during one of his job excursions. Uh, but, that's how it happens. <laughs> but there's no evidence that that man existed. And we don't know if that's a story Jane made up. Oh, oh, I like that even better. You don't <laughs> yeah, know him. He's in a different state. It's the 18, yeah, it's the 1860s version of my girlfriend from Canada. Canadian yeah, 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 girlfriend. you don't know him. He's from she's Ohio. She's real, she's real, she's real, she's real, she's real. Yeah. <laughs> she's never real. See this picture? Uh, don't Google it. She's real. She's real. She's real. Elizabeth, uh, the sister, would eventually marry a man by Oramel Brigham, who was a deacon. Who was also definitely born in the 1800s. And he looked, I, there's pictures of him in this book. Um, however you imagine Oramel Brigham to look, you're probably right. Like halfway between Abraham Lincoln and a hobo. Oh, definite, <laughs> definite Harry. Yeah. Ormel Brigham is Harry. There's no he doubt has, in my he mind. That, like, he had that thick beard. stash. Everybody oh, in the 1860s, yeah. if you were a man at all, you uh, you had a beard. Here he is right here. Sideburns. Oh, yeah. I knew it. I Sideburns bald on top. Oh, yeah. That's nice. And here's Jane. Uh, early in her career. So this is her in her, like, her 20s. And this is her when she got caught. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. A little picture. Uh, if you want to look it up, everybody, you can just look up uh, Jane Toppin, 1880, and then 1900, if you want to see what she looked like at those times. She looks um, so wise. Well, uh, she was an incredibly intelligent woman, and we'll get to that uh, as we move on into her more professional career. <clears throat> so, uh, like I said, uh, she lived with Elizabeth for a while, and who Elizabeth eventually married a man by the name of Ormel Brigham. He was a deacon. And in 1885, Jane moved out of the Brigham household. Why? People, well, yeah. people imagine they imagine that her sister getting married was the impetus for her getting out because now well, because it sucked ass too. Yeah, well, uh, Elizabeth, even when uh, when Jane moved out, Elizabeth gave her a wonderful letter, letter that says, you always have a place to stay here. If you ever need anything, you know, you talk to me, and I, I will, you know, I'll always be there for you. Meanwhile, Jane hated Elizabeth to her very core. So she moved out, lived on her own for a while, doing some odds and ends jobs, until eventually, 1887, she began nursing school at Boston Cambridge Hospital. Nursing school at this time was hell. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it last episode. I can't remember, but it was a rigorous two-year, uh, two-year thing. Now, in order to become a nurse, now it's a lot longer than two years. But this was a up at five, bed by like uh, eleven p.m. You're up all day, up late into the night, taking care of patients, following the head nurse around. It's ruthless. It is constant, and very few people made it through to get their actual license and degree. But Jane um, did. Almost. She almost did it. <laughs> um, 
It's at this point where we believe that the murders actually started while she was in the Boston Cambridge school. Uh, This is the place where she ended up getting the name Jolly Jane, actually, because the doctors and the patients friggin' loved her. She was uh, outgoing, outrageous, funny, big bubbly personality. Again, loved to tell stories and the patients, you know, that helped them when they were in bed and pain. She was a a wonderful nurse to be around. Um, But the other nurses in training freaking hated her because much like she did in school, that, that whole mischievous uh, lifestyle she brought over into nursing school. She would get, she would tell tall tales about her life. Um, there were theories that she was actually stealing uh, little petty theft from people. Obnoxious things would go missing uh, while she was around. Moreover, if she didn't like you, she would sneakily start spreading a nasty, nasty rumor about you among other trainees that would catch fire. And then she would use that to approach the head nurse and doctors and get them kicked out of nursing school if she didn't like Whoa. them. So she held power over them like a puppet master. Uh, and, and again, with the doctors loving her, they were never going to question her. Um, she continued to lie about her background, known as a devi- as de- devious gossip, and she, su- she was suspected of stealing and was never caught. Uh, speculated to have killed dozens while in Cambridge, though we will never know because there's no records and Cambridge would ne- never release those records at the time. Um, but the way it would usually go for Jane, and here's how this, the killing started. If God, she liked you. awful. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm sorry. I know. There's not a lot of break to, to have, like, a breath, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, but if she liked you as a patient, if she really enjoyed you, she would falsify your charts uh, and then give them a dose of medication to make them stay. Oh, so, was- so this is much like her past when it comes to family and uh, love and attention. Yep. Absolutely. It's very similar to the idea of like ratting out other people for the attention of teachers. This mm-hmm. is like, if I like you, I don't want you to leave because you make my life better. So stay with me forever. Hello there, Chiluminati podcast listeners. Before we continue with today's show, let me take a minute and tell you about today's sponsor, Beard Brand. You can find out what style best suits you at beardbrand.com slash chill. You see, Beard Brand isn't like other beard companies. In fact, it's not all about beards at all. There are plenty of other products for skin, hair, and beards. This isn't about being more masculine or being the roughest, toughest guy around. It's all about fostering your confidence through grooming. Whether you have a mustache, a goatee, or the full-on beard like myself, Beard Brand has something for you. They encourage us men to be better versions of ourselves, and taking care of your beard is part of that. No need to change who you are, only help you express yourself through great grooming. Maybe you don't have a beard. Don't worry, Beard Brand has you covered. With plenty of product for your skin and hair, over at beardbrand.com slash chill. Heck, I've been using the sea salt spray for my hair to give it that windswept look you constantly see me with. And it smells damn great at the same time. Beard Brand is all about education and community while fostering self-confidence through grooming. Again, you can find out what works out best for you at beardbrand.com slash chill. That's beardbrand.com slash chill. Beardbrand.com slash C-H-I-L-L. Now, on to the show. That's exactly it. <laughs> she, she liked you. She'd dose you with meds, keep you there for like another week, and then bring you back to, to health and then send you out on your way. 
Um, fucked up. This is also where she began what is labeled as her science experiments. She would begin to alternate morphine and atropine to examine the effects on patients, uh, which is why the doctors truly liked her in a, in a sense, not because she was experimenting. They had no idea about that, but these experimentations taught her a load of stuff. They, she would know the precise measurements would keep certain types of, you know, keep patients in and out of consciousness right at the, 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 the bridge of death and then bring them back again. She would constantly play with the different drugs to see what they did. Uh, and when she was arrested and all of her belongings were grabbed, uh, she had a very well-worn book that she was given during a nursing school with all kinds of notes about the different kinds of drugs and poisons and what they do and how much is required. She studied it voraciously, more so than any other student that she was training with. She loved it. But we wouldn't really know what Jane did for a while. We didn't know what she would do with the patients or how she, uh, if she did anything with them or she would just kind of keep them there just to keep them company. It would be years until, under testimony in court, we would get a small sneak peek into what Jane did, at least to those of her victims that she partially enjoyed, thanks to a woman by the name of Amelia Finney, who was suffering from, at the time, uh, during the time of her training, a uterine ulcer. The night prior, doctors had treated it, as, as was common back then, with, uh, by burning it with nitrate of silver. Which is how they they handled the uterine also, which sounds Yo, I, that does not sound pleasant nitrate at all. Nitrate of silver, yeah. What the fuck? Well, it looks like you have a uterine ulcer. I mean, that this uh, nitrate uh, of but silver. Like, hold on, like uterine as in uterus? Yeah, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah, no, so. that just sounds unpleasant. It sounds. <laughs> yeah, I, imagine I can only time. think of a few entryways, and all of them sound unpleasant when you <laughs> use nitrate of they're silver. Actually, they're pretty. Uterine ulcers are common, but like that is, yeah, that, that is barbaric. Extra- this burning? is also a time where people still bled people, you know, to to deal with fevers. So. Nitrate is. I was. I, I forget what I was reading, but it was like something about like every baby they like put like nickel acid in their eyes, like just to, like just to like make sure that they didn't get any diseases. They just do like one drop in each eye of like pure burning acid, just like That's it was like insane. Like it like actually like. My God, I, I can't even like what? I, whatever. All right. Yeah, I, I, I digress. Just, I'm, I'm sitting here just thinking about acid being dropped into my uh, eyes. Yeah, and I digress. It was a fucked up time. Medically. I just that's another reason why it was probably so stressful being a nurse. Is yeah. there's not even any real fucking shit. You're you're like you're doing what you think. You're learning how to do what they think is a good thing. That yep. like 50 years later they were like, whoa, <laughs> we <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't do that anymore. Ugh. No, now now if you just just make a just make a baby read YouTube comments. Same same effect, man. Same effect. So what happened the night of after that surgery where she or she got that treatment? Um, Amelia Finney was up writhing in pain all night long. Uh, eventually, as she was in the middle of the night writhing, she uh, claims to have woken up during her fits of sleep to see uh, Jane Toppin looming over her bed. And she asked, you know, Jane what was going on. And Jane asked if she's feeling okay. And uh, Amelia said, no, can you please go get a physician? And Jane said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. We don't need a physician here. So she put her arm under, under Amelia to sit her up and gave her a, as you know, as it, like Lydia Sherman, gave her a drink. Uh, it was a type of mineral water um, that, had a, that came from a different country. It's Hyuplane hi, hi mineral, mineral water. It basically had a weird, bitter taste uh, and had her drink the whole thing. 
And within minutes, uh, Amelia started to fall to in and out of unconsciousness. It was at that point that Amelia claims, uh, and I'll verbatim say in court, After surgery, Jane administered some bitter-tasting medicine to Amelia to help with her pain. As she was slipping in unconsciousness, she realized that Jane had gotten into bed with her and began kissing Whoa. her and began to kiss her all over her face. At one point, uh, actually during this, she would pry open Amelia's eyes and check them with a flashlight. Realizing that she wasn't completely unconscious, she tried to have her drink more. But uh, Amelia was cognizant enough to, to push that away and something, nobody knows what, uh, but luckily for Mrs. Finney, Jane was startled by someone and hastily ended up leaving the room. As Amelia gained consciousness the next day, she thought the incident had been a dream in induced by the surgery and the drugs that she had been taking, and she checked out of the hospital without saying anything. She only confessed the event in 1901 when Jane had already been arrested. Does she do that all the time? Get in bed with him and kiss him and shit? Yep. That is something you are, we are going to see. Through. I had no idea that there was that element to this. Yeah. So she, what her mo opera, uh, modus oh operandi would be, God, that's poison so them with unconsciousness, climb into bed with them, do sexual things with them. Um, and then as they took their dying uh, last gasps of breath, she would hold them and cuddle them until they died. Yeesh. Yes. Rough stuff. So we're still in uh, her nursing school. So that was in uh, that was in the early you know uh, early 1887 uh, during the first year or so uh, to be believed. In 1888, despite the dislike of her colleagues, she gained the favor of enough doctors to get a recommendation to the Massachusetts General Hospital, which was a big big step up. Though the head nurse was a uh, bigot and looked down on Jane's low origins as uh, Man, an Irish person. Why you gotta be hating on the Irish? Why you yep. gotta be doing that? So she was still like, yes, I'm Irish, or was she like? No. Yeah, she couldn't like she hated them and spoke down at them, but for some for some reason she owned the knew. Irishness. Yeah, it was something that it was looked down on. Uh, the only reason actually the head nurse at Massachusetts General took her was because of the insane glowing recommendations of the doctors. During this entire time, Jane was the hardest worker of all the trainees. She was always where she needed to be, taking care of the patients she needed to be, and a lot of her patients, if not most of them, left healthy. And were taken care of. And when the, when she took her tests, she would almost ace them every single time. She knew her shit inside and out. That's so why the doctors sucks. loved that, her. That's why it's yeah. so creepy is because she's like such a good nurse that you would never suspect She's her. a Jekyll and Hyde. Because like the patients love her. She's this jolly woman taking care of you. Uh, you know, and, and then the, the minute you're unconscious, she's looming over your bed, drugging you so that she can kill you and derive sexual pleasure from it. Good it's, it's Lord. Awful. So she got accepted in 1888. And in 1889, Jane was named temporary representative during the head nurse's leave of absence. Nearly one year after Jane had joined the hospital due to how prolific and good she was at her job. The very same head nurse that almost took her, like said no to her. She ended up replacing when she went for a leave of absence. For a year, she was, she was the head nurse in that hospital. While still technically training because she was still completing her courses and stuff at uh at massachusetts general what the hell but much like in the other hospital her colleagues disliked her suspected that she was blatantly disregarding patients medication doses dosages but had no evidence stealing telling high stories and more patients are suspected to have died under her care during this period that we'll never know about in 1890 however 
Jane is discharged for leaving the ward without permission, despite passing her final and her diploma being signed. This was the year she was going to graduate. Uh, she was doing incredibly well, but during those couple of years, she was building an intense hatred of her among those she worked with, including actually some of the doctors because the, the other students had brought up the worries that she was disregarding patients' medical dosages and everybody's eyes were on her. They so all she, hate her? They, at this point, in 1890, uh, most of her uh, colleague students hated her and all the doctors above her had been suspicious of her at this point because people were ratting around. But the patients still love her. The patients still loved her as far as they knew because she took great care of them when people had eyes on her and she wasn't allowed to kill them. I can't believe Um, she was able to keep her job that long. Yeah. Uh, They were basically looking for a reason to get rid of her and they couldn't pin her for anything. So in the summer, like I said, of 1890, she left the ward without permission and that was it. They didn't even even give her her diploma. She didn't graduate even though she she had her diploma had been signed already. Uh, She just got kicked out. And she then spent that fall and then the subsequent year as a private nurse before returning to Cambridge Hospital. The place where it all started. Um, She got rehired? Yeah, she got brought back to Cambridge. She never got to go back to Massachusetts General, but where she started, which was Cambridge, she got brought back there because the doctors still, you know, saw her fondly. And she spent a year making very good money as a private nurse because of the the recommendations of the people in Cambridge Hospital were still valid and they were still saying what a great doctor or what a great nurse she was. She was making some pretty good money, but she wanted her diploma more than anything. So she went back in 1891 uh, before in the spring being dismissed from Cambridge hospital due to the suspicion that she was administering opiates recklessly. Hmm. And, and so well, people noticed that something was up. They just didn't know the yep. extent of like what she was actually doing. The, the real suspicion started in Massachusetts general. And then uh, presumably the rumors or, or whatever went back to Cambridge. So when she was at Cambridge, eyes were on her already. Sure. Uh, but, but during her first two years at Cambridge, the doctors had no suspicions other than her tell tall tales and kind of obnoxious personality. So she was only there for like, a few months, right? Yeah, she was only at Cambridge, back at Cambridge for a few months before I'm being kicked out. God, that's so crazy. Yep. Uh, but then, that's in that summer, she began her career as a private nurse, which would be the beginnings of all of her verified kills. All that time, she's likely killed a ton, but we don't know any of it. It's now we know where the verified kills came from. Verified kills. Yeah, this is called verified kills. So fall, uh, in that fall of 1891, she became regarded as one of the most successful private nurses in Cambridge, though her employers, much like her colleagues, disliked her lies and petty theft. In her free time, she liked to guzzle beer, tell lies, and spread rumors, according to those who knew her. I used to date someone like that. (laughs) I used to be friends with plenty of people like that. Uh, but uh, her first verified kill, uh, identified by Jane herself, was May 26th in 1895. At that point, she was living, uh, she was boarding with uh, two people, uh, Israel Dunham and his wife, Lovey Dunham. They were in their 80s, pretty old. Lovey Dunham? Dunham, yep, Lovey Dunham. Lovey Dunham. Lovey Dunham. It's the 1800s, man. We're about to cross over. You definitely, you can definitely have a lovey as a name if you were born in like eighteen eighteen. The fact lovey that you made Dunham. it to eighteen, the fact that you made it to the age eighty three in eighteen ninety five yeah. is a high five worthy. Like goddamn, you you got a you got a great roll of the dice when you were born. Lovey Dunham, get me, mm. give me a break. <laughs> uh, but she would first kill the husband, Israel Dunham. Um, her 
her, uh, the reasoning she said was he was feeble and fussy and he was old anyway. And he was getting in the way. And then eventually, uh, in September 19th of 1897, a couple of years later, she killed Lovey Dunham, Israel's wife, as she became, quote, Damn. old and cranky. Damn. She was 87 years old when she, she got killed by, uh, by Jane. Uh, there's no we're, – we're not sure what she did with the bodies during that time, uh, like, you know, physically while she was poisoning them. Uh, but then she lived in the house by herself for a while. You mean like the method, like the actual The method. Chemicals? We don't know what the method – like, we don't know what she used. We just know that she But everything them. else, she's just like, oh, they're dead. The doctor, take them away. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Because at that time, much like we talked about Lydia Sherman in the last episode, if they don't know what killed her, it was disease of the stomach, disease of the, the head, disease of the whatever. They They didn't – they didn't know, but she was she was super stealthy. Morphine, atropine. Keep in mind, this is not the Lydia Sherman version of up all night with a writhing stomach, screaming in pain. They were slipping in and out of of consciousness the entire time. And she was making out with them and stuff. Yeah, she was being fucking gross. Then, uh, in August of 29th of 1899, uh, Elizabeth Brigham, her foster sister, yo, uh, she, she went back. She went back. She, she killed she her. She went back. She killed Elizabeth Brigham. What she ended up doing uh, was writing a letter to Elizabeth, asking her to come to a little bit of a beach vacation. Uh, it was at this point she had already decided that she was going to kill Brigham. And according to Jane's own confession, this was the only person she ever killed out of pure hatred. So she's what, uh, like 65 years old at this point? 1899. Uh, so uh, Born she was 1857. 1857. Yeah. So, uh, so Elizabeth has to be like an 42? old lady. Something like that. 42 is how old Jane is. She's only a little older. Uh, I don't know how old Elizabeth is, but yeah, 42, right? Yep, that's right. That's how old uh, Jane was. Yep. 57 to 57. 99. To 99 should be about. Um, this was the only one she, like I said, she admitted she killed She killed her sister slowly and claimed this was the first one that she did because of pure hatred. And she was killed with striking, strike nine, which if you want to Google that. Strike nine? Strike nine. That, strike nine, strike nine. I don't know. How you say that's it. not a good. That's not a good poison. No, no, it is not. Um, so she invited her sister out to a beach because uh, her sister had been suffering from quote melancholia. She had been having a rough, however long, uh, being kind of down. And uh, her husband actually urged Elizabeth to go. Said you should go. The beach will do you some good for a few days. Go sure. be with Jane. And she went out. Uh, two days after Jane came back. And uh, said her she was super sick and that she was going to go get a physician. And then she went back and finished the job before coming back to her husband, letting her know, uh, letting him know that she had died and um, saying that her final wishes of her sister was that she got the family heirloom golden pocket watch that had belonged to Elizabeth Damn. all that while. Damn. Uh, the husband said he never saw her with that pocket watch, but assumed that she was just keeping it safe uh, because it meant so much to her. When after she was arrested, it was found out that she pawned it the next day. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she loathed Elizabeth. And again, the reason she loathed, loathed Elizabeth is because she perceived her to have everything she deserved. Sure. And never got. And in December 28th, 1899, we'll move on uh, merely to the next patient, Mary McNear. Uh, patient took care of her based on Mary's doctor's recommendation. Mary McNear was a, an older woman who ended up coming to visit one of her family members, got sick along the road, got cold, and the doctor that saw her knew of Jane and what an amazing nurse she was, recommended Jane to her. Doomed and, her. And doomed her in the process oh as, Jane, my God. as Jane killed her uh, over the course of time with poisons. It is thought that afterward Jane stole some of her clothing 
Um, and she found this one. Everybody finds this one strange because it's the first and only victim that we know of uh, that she did not know. All of her patients that she killed, she killed after, you know, taking care of them for a while and getting to know them and liking them uh, for as best she can. This is the only one that we know that she killed because she was she recommended. because she was her size? <laughs> she's like, I love these clothes. She was clothes. like, oh, yeah. shit. This she's she's like taking care of clothes. them. She's taking care of them. She's like, my, what a, where'd you get this dress? I think so. I, I, it makes sense if she sold all her clothes. She was <laughs> like, I want these clothes, but I don't want you. And she just killed her. She's like, well, you're sick, so you're dying anyway. So, yeah, I think she yeah, just did take it. Care of it. She just took, took, took the clothes. That makes sense. But again, anytime you think like Jane does it to only the people she cares about, uh, this this shows the, the shallowness of her character. She has it in her to kill someone she doesn't know and take their shit. Then in January, now keep in mind, this is all happening very, very quickly. In January 15th, 1900, just a month later, she killed uh, Elizabeth's house, who was Elizabeth's housekeeper, Florence Calkins, her what? sister's old housekeeper. Like some and mafia then, shit? Yeah, she just took, k- killed her. Uh, theories being that she took care of Elizabeth and she should have been taking care of her. Uh, Others, uh, there are other theories that she was in the way of her trying to get closer to her sister's ex-husband. But she, she took him out. And then a week and a half later, she killed William Ingram, a patient of hers that she had been taking care of for a while. What the fuck? It makes three, me, it makes me three, wonder. Three weeks after that, she killed Sarah Meyer Connors. Sarah Connors. She killed Sarah Connors. Unreal. She, terminated. She probably, Who was? <laughs> she probably just... Was killing people all the time and nobody knows. Well, sure. that's the thing, right? Yeah, that's probably what she was doing. For Mary, or for Sarah, rather, uh, the reason she killed Sarah, she killed her with strike nine again, as opposed to morphine and atropine, which is usually her go-to. Um, mind you, that's what she used to kill her sister. Uh, in this one, she, she claimed to have killed her for the position as the theological school's dining matron, given the job by the dean based on Mira's posthumous recommendation. So, so she, she killed, killed her, her friend to get her job? To get her job, and then yeah. she was dismissed in November. Which is, November. which is why I think she killed that one lady to get her clothes. For the clothes, she like, right? She's like finding clothes on my side is very hard, and then she just murder her. <laughs> she just murder her for, for those clothes. I'm telling you. Oh my god, dude. And and Sarah, she considered a friend, but she just wanted her job. So off you go. You know, I'll take care of it. But she was dismissed from that job in November. Apparently, during that time, killing nobody. While she was there, how do they know? So she, I mean, that's a good question. But right? she was the dining matron, so she wouldn't right. have any access to like stuff. She was there to serve. She wasn't kids doing private nursing things at that yeah. point. She, she the dining matron. She, yeah, she loved kids. She loved kids. Jane adored children, and she claimed to never kill a child. That's all right. Whatever. So maybe she was happy. Maybe she was surrounded by those. I can't claim to know what goes on in her head. Right. Um, it's at this point, uh, and I, oh my God, we're already running that close to an hour here. Uh, it's at this point, this next set of victims would be the undoing of our dear Jane Toppin. Of course. Because between July 4th and August 13th of 1901, a little over a month, Jane Toppin would go on to kill the entire Davis family. Davis! Was, oh, Davis. Poor Davis. And we all love Davis here. Luckily, <laughs> he didn't die. Maybe he's re- related to them. Or a ghost. Uh, or a ghost. Right. Uh, that would be this, a twist. The murdering of this entire family, which would be what brought suspicion down under Jane Toppin and likely would lead to her arrest. Surprise, surprise. 
July 4th or 5th in 1901, Mary Maddie Davis, landlord of the cottage where Jane had was, was vacationing, uh, ended up coming to collect the 500 that Jane owed her. Jane gave her doctored Hunyadi wa mineral water, that's the water that I was saying has a bitter, bitter taste, uh, when she came to collect and mixed in morphine uh, while she drank it so that she would fall ill and not have to collect that $500. Hunyadi like, is actually While she was there? While she was there, when she came to collect the $500 from Jane, Jane immediately poisoned her with morphine in the water to say, <laughs> no, 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 what no. The f she was just like ready to go with some poison? Yep. She, she had, it's, again, this is a time where this shit is so easily accessible. You can walk down the street and spend 10 cents and get a ton of it. That's crazy. It's insane. A hunyadi is actually a laxative as well with prominent ingredients of sodium sulfate and magnesium sulfate. So it worked through her body pretty quickly. And during that week she was taking, she took care of Maddie. She would kill her, bringing her in and out of lucidity only to plunge her back into a coma while she took care of her. That was another weird thing that uh, Jane loved to do. She would love to bring you out of a coma, take care of you, be loving, and then put you back into the coma and then do all of her terrible, terrible psychopathic deeds. God damn, this is, this is insane. Yep, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Jane afterward would then move in with Maddie's husband, Alden Davis, where then she would attempt to burn the house down three times, and each time the fire would be extinguished. Can we just, can we just for the record, <laughs> for the record... How much time has passed? Like a month? A month and all this is going... She killed less a woman, than, moved a in with the husband, tried to burn the place down in a month. Three times. That's crazy. This is... this is No, this this particular m moment is, is three weeks. She killed them, moved in, and tried to burn the house down three freaking times in three weeks. She's Insane. moving very, very fast. And this is actually typical of a serial killer as well. If she truly has been killing all these years, we're starting to see the end game, like the end right, part of a serial killer. Right, she keep killing. Yeah, she's killing and killing and killing and killing. And it's the only way to keep her sated. And at the same time, there's probably a point of her like, I can get away with it. Nobody's catching me. Who cares? And she's starting to get lazy. Moved in, uh, tried to burn down the house three times, killed everyone else in the family. This is only after she killed the, the Mary, the, 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 the mother. Um, so then after she tried to burn the house down three times, uh, in July, on July 31st, 1901, Genevieve Gordon, which was their youngest daughter, Alden and Maddie's youngest daughter, uh, would be the next victim. Uh, she was distraught over her mother's death. Jane passed off and then she, she killed Anne, which is her nickname, Genevieve, and passed it off as suicide to this day or to this day. Even in court, she claimed that it can was we, suicide. Can we take a minute? Her. Just, can we have a talk about just nicknames in the 18 oh please thank you god because it confuses me too let's go back through this through this delightful story we have here <laughs> so every time that we've seen someone with a nickname it has been someone that has a name like john john smith and his yeah. nickname's like joey Jinglebert. yeah like, like i'm trying to go back through and see some of the ones so there were first off there was sarah mira connors or myra connors yep. So yep. Myra, has nothing to do with Sarah. I, I was saying Mira, but I maybe Myra. It could Mary, be Myra. Maddie Davis, <laughs> Genevieve, Davis. Annie Gordon. Why are these? It's like they're they just want names. another. They just want another name. It's so well, it's weird. Like, yeah, it's like these. What would be? What's a nickname for Genevieve? Just Jen, right? You Jenny. Jen. Yes. Jenny. Vive. Yeah. <laughs> Vive. Annie Vive. makes no sense. It's Nevi. crazy to me. I wonder if there's a story behind it. I wonder if there's a, a, a story as to why that that's her nickname. 
I figure it's like I said, it's like a mob name. Like yeah, maybe. Johnny Big Tuna Sc- Scarmucci. <laughs> I miss the mob story, man. Johnny Scaramucci. <laughs> Johnny Big Tuna Scaramucci. Johnny Big Tuna Scaramucci. Scaramucci. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's very, very weird. It's just something um, I've noticed this entire time, and I'm like, who? It's what? Yeah. So, yeah, on July 31st, 1901, their daughter died. Uh, she was very distraught over her mother's death, and Jane claims it was suicide. Jo- okay, Possible? Well, July 30th. July 31st, 1901, baby. W- within the span of a month, she kills the mm-hmm. wife, moves in, tries to burn down the house three kills separate times. Kills the daughter. Times. Kills the older daughter, yeah. Kills the daughter. Youngest daughter. Youngest daughter. Older daughter still to come. Jeez. She kills uh, Genevieve, the youngest daughter. Yep. All in a matter of, like, four weeks. Then, a week after that, August 8th, 1901, it was the husband's turn. Morphine, atropine, in his sleep, held him until his dying breath, she claims, uh, very closely, and made sure he passed peacefully, according to her. And then, a week after that, she would then kill Minnie Gibbs, Aldine and Maddie's oldest daughter. Minnie left behind a 10-year-old son, whom Jane brought to her bedside to cuddle his mother as she died. Oh my god. Yep. In this, it was Minnie's father-in-law, Captain Gibbs, who was police uh, and military, thought that first brought attention to Jane Toppin. And he would end up being Jane's downfall. I hate because this. She, oh, my God. Because she was just knocking out the entire family. I can't imagine doing that. Like, I can't imagine. Just picturing it movie style. You know, she's dying in bed and Jane comes in. You have this camera angle down at the child's level, looking up at like an ominous Jane and the kids really close to the camera. And you just hear Jane in the background. Go, go say goodbye to your mother. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked. She's and orchestrating. This is why I think she's orchestrating is, the entire situation. This is why I think she had a, a toe dipped into control and uh, just excitement. While clearly most of it was sexual, these little moments where she has power and control over these people, she clearly is leveraging it every time for the clothes or uh, for the job or just to watch a young kid say goodbye to his mother. Like, that's all other aspects of of being a serial killer. It's insane that she would do this. Um, And so on August 26, 1901, Edna Bannister, Elizabeth's husband, uh, Ormel Brigham's sister, would be the next one to die. After murdering the Davis family, Jane returned to her hometown to try and marry her late foster sister's husband, Ormel, and killed his sister because she was, quote, getting in the way. Okay, so she killed the Davises, went back to the hometown, tried to get with her Elizabeth's husband, Husband. then killed Elizabeth's husband's sister because she was in the way of that shit. Yep. That's exactly correct. You've got it, Jesse. Perfect. That's so much insane. time has passed too. So much time, and she's still well, you like definitely, on this. That's an obsession. She's obsessed with that time in her life that she's like forty something now, and she can't let yep. go. What happened when she was twelve? Yep. That's it's all. It really does all connect back to her childhood. I I still I after having read read the book and, and and like really just delving into Jane's life, I want to know what happened to her in those first seven years of her life. What did her father do? How fa- was she beyond saving at the point where we started to keep track of Jane? Who knows? It's it's insane. Um, but that would be the last kill she would get before the good old Captain Gibbs would start to put things into motion to get Jane under arrest. 
August 29th, 1901, Captain Gibbs reached out to the leading toxicologist in Massachusetts, a man by the name of Leonard Wood, wanting to exhume the Davis family in its entirety to prove that they were poisoned by Jane. Jane ends up seeing this in a paper as it was as it made news in the city because of Captain Gibbs' position uh, as uh, in the in the police force and what he used to do to serve. Then she left an outline of dust in the shape of her body behind as she <laughs> ran away from where she <laughs> was like, standing. Yeah, yeah, just poof, just gone, <laughs> Looney Tune style. Um, when the bodies were exhumed, Officer James Patterson was assigned to keep an eye on Jane the whole while. This is before he became a famous novelist. <laughs> that's a very a few qu- quite Boo. a few many years beforehand no no i'll indulge you just alex i like that joke. officer james patterson yeah author of that superhero kids book series is that what superhero kid i don't underpants I, captain I, underpants no 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 what <laughs> i don't know who james patterson james is James patterson is like the author of so many books that it's L- like, they're all like he's, thrillers. He's, he's the alex cross guy yeah, uh, like along oh, came a spider. That sounds familiar. He's okay. uh, women's murder club. He's he he's he's just like whatever. It doesn't matter. He's just yeah. That's fine. No, I'm I'm glad I know now. Uh, feeling the walls closing in on her, on September 29th of that year, Jane attempts suicide by overdosing on morphine, which is weird because she fails. Uh, and frustrated by her attempts to court Oramel. Uh, she attempted suicide again, and once again, back on her feet, Oramel kicked her out. She just didn't actually le- want to kill herself. She was, like, being dramatic, probably. Well, yeah, that's how I believe, because she spent how many years learning the perfect dosages for murder and killing, and she fails to poison herself? She didn't have the stones. She couldn't do it. Yeah, it was clearly kind of like a, a desperate attention kind of thing, at least in my mind. If you're going to sit there and tell me over the course of however many years you can perfect your poison dosages and kill whoever you want whenever you want, and you can't do it to yourself, I don't believe you for a goddamn second. Right. Um, it is out, even alleged that at that time she tried to poison Oramel and then nursed him back to health to show that she was indispensable when he tried to kick her out. So it's on, it's on record that he got sick around that time? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, she tried, but she didn't kill him because she wanted to marry him. She wanted love. She wanted to be taken care of and looked after just like Elizabeth did. And Oramel is a literal living embodiment of everything Elizabeth used to have. And she wanted it. She didn't get it. She got kicked out. One month later, October 29th, Jane is then arrested for the murder of Minnie Gibbs. All the the toxicology reports had come back. All of them had said, oh, yeah, poison. Absolutely. And uh, they were put out for her arrest, and she was taken pretty quickly because she had been being watched by James Patterson this entire time. And use and he used her to to as fuel yep. to write and many and uh, a lot like Lydia Sherman in the last one as well. An entire news uh, carnival circus went up around this 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 angel of death killing an entire family and all these other people and possibly killing hundreds more. The nurse that killed those she cared for. In the newspapers, everywhere, the rumor of the towns, people gathered the courts on October 30th when she, uh, October 31st, two days after she was arrested, to see the woman, to see the woman who had killed everybody. And what they saw was an incredibly plain, boring, slightly overweight woman that people were just purely confused that this is, is somebody who could kill so willingly. And meaningfully. God, every detail of this case that came out probably just drove everyone insane. Like, yep, the sex thing, like murder, families, 
she's a nurse, like all this shit. Like, oh my god, it would it would be it would, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And of course, you know, people are putting in their their own like, oh, she was possessed by the devil. No one who of their right mind, not possessed, a, you know, not cursed by God or whatever, would climb into bed and, and do the things that the, she supposedly did and blah, blah, blah. But really, it's just a she was a broken human being. Uh, she, there was nothing up there that that really could connect to humanity. Anymore. God, that is fucking crazy, man. Yep. And on October 31st, 1901, Jane pleads not guilty at arraignment. Halloween. State, yep. Halloween. Very fitting, isn't it? That's crazy. Uh, the state posited that Jane used arsenic, but it was found to have been in the embalming fluid. It was Captain Gibbs that suggested morphine and atropine. Um, because, again, if it was arsenic, I think she would have been caught a little bit quicker, especially in the hospitals. But she was given uh, access to everything there. and She, she was, found like, experimenting, morphine. yeah. She was truly experimenting on humans, living, breathing people, using them as nothing but science experiments. That's crazy. Uh, in November 21st, a little less than a month later, the bodies of Alden and Maddie were exhumed. And on December 6, 1901, Jane is officially charged with the four murders of the Davis family and once again pleads not guilty. Some time passes. Uh, and on March 31st, 1902, papers reported that Jane had undergone evaluation by a panel of psychiatrists and was found to be insane. How the fuck did she explain this that she's like, not guilty, I didn't do it? No. Insanity. Uh, not guilty by, by reason of insanity. Sure. She um she admitted to eleven murders and a sexual impulse to kill. That is uh that was kind of what she clutched to. Good and Lord. so in in June of nineteen oh two, the true trial began. Uh, June twenty third, nineteen oh two, the trial of Jane Toppin took a total of eight hours. Oh, with only twenty man. minutes. <laughs> eleven only, murder victims in eight hours. Right, just it's this all the evidence had been there. Uh, with only twenty minutes of jury deliberation thereafter to find her not guilty by reason of insanity. Now you might freak out and say, Oh my God, how could you? But if she had been found guilty, it would have been death penalty and, and killing a woman just wasn't uh, at that time was not looked on very well, even by government. Um, most like Lydia Sherman. She didn't get the, she didn't get killed either. She, she would have been hung, but she didn't. Um, so she was sentenced to life in the Taunton state, uh, hospital, also known as the state lunatic hospital at Taunton Ooh. in Taunton lunatic asylum. Uh, Lizzie Borden said she did time there though. Her claims were disproven. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact: Lizzie Borden claimed that she she went there. Any place that has the word lunatic in the title, you can't. That's not, yep. that's not good. That's not good. It's here where Jane would spend the rest of her life. Uh, June twenty fourth, nineteen o two, she is delivered to Taunton Hospital, and she dies of old age in the asylum. And in August seventeenth, nineteen thirty eight. Oh living... my god, she spent another thirty six years there. Yeah, um, she probably ran that place. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, apparently while, while she was there, uh, her personality really calmed down, uh, whether it be because of the meds they were giving her or what have you, but, um, she truly apparently just really the edge came off and she had no impulse to kill apparently while she was there. So she says, um, she says, uh, in her confession, she said she was glad to have been found, uh, not guilty by insanity. And she felt smug at having duped the panel likely because she assumed the hospital would find her sane and release her soon after. That did not happen. What? Um, yeah. And as, as Jesse had been speculating before, uh, the correlation between Jane leaving the top and home and her sister's marriage is kind of undeniable in a lot of ways, but there is no hard evidence that she left for that reason. Uh, in her, her later confession, she blamed being jilted by a lover as the root of her problems, and she may not have killed if she had been married. That's what she claims. That's the person I talked about early on in the episode that 
supposedly ran off and married somebody the else. The system just did not fucking work for Jane Toppin. No, not even she a little She got bit. And, But the, the system at the time was probably already very fucked up. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah. Uh, related or not related, her mental state did deteriorate at the asylum, making her docile until death. And uh, ironically, she refused to eat the hospital food because she had been afraid it would be poisoned. So she wouldn't eat it. Yep. That and to quote her right. herself, Jane Toppin, the serial killer, said, Most of the people I killed were old enough to die anyway, or else had some disease that might cause death. I never killed children. I loved them. And that is the life story of Jane Toppin. Cuckoo. It's kind of a blast through, but I didn't want to make a Jane Toppin episode. I didn't want to make two Jane Toppin episodes because unlike Tommy Patera, you know, his life murdering was not, her life murdering was not nearly as interesting as his life murdering. She basically, personal nurse, killed them, messed around with them sexually, took their shit, moved on. That was her modus. That was kind of her operation standard at the point um but she is a fascinating person her whole early life truly in my opinion dictated what she eventually became and she got away with it as long as she did because of the time it wouldn't get you know it wouldn't happen nearly as much uh it wouldn't happen at all i don't think this time around i just find her very interesting as a killer as an individual and hope everybody listening and the both of you did as well Yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things that um it's a at the time kind of thing, right? Yes, very this much. Could so. never happen nowadays. There's too many stop gaps and too many things that. But with that said, it's fascinating that yeah. during big transitions in urbanization and things like that, where there aren't really any rules, like in the Wild West, right? It, it, that whole thing. It's fascinating to see what people could get away with doing. That now you're like. What the hell? How'd that happen? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, even Lydia Sherman, you think back, remember, she she did something similar. She fucking knocked out an entire family and got away with it and moved away yeah. and killed a bunch more people. Just no suspicion whatsoever. Um, obviously, a little bit of a darker topic, clearly, than some of the other things we've covered, but I, I genuinely have a fascination in this kind of stuff. And, and mixed with history, uh, it's interesting. The thing that's yeah. fucking me up about it the most is, like, putting myself in this situation... It's impossible to. Yeah, it's just so fucking weird, like, thinking about people murdering people this way because it's so much less about, like, the, like, murder, like, the murder being, like, the release that it is for most, like, in movies, that's, like, all it ever is is, like, the release. And it's it's Well, yeah, I mean, you look, you you, you know, you look at uh, all the, uh, the serial killers that are the most famous during the 60s, all the male ones, and they're all, they're all violent killers because that's their release. Like that's how that ends up. But this is what it was for Jane. Uh, side note, I think Alex's name would be Oramel Brigham in the 1800s. Alex, you look like an Oramel. Yeah, you, can, you, you look can, like you an Oramel, Alex. You, de- you definitely look like an Oramel. I got Ormel. that Amish guy thing going on. It, it, Oramel can, Alex Brigham was what you would have been. Well, if you yeah. – it doesn't, it, doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look as Amish with the headphones off. <laughs> well, you got to shave your head just like he was bald. Yeah, right. You got to you got to got to keep only the chops. Get man. rid of the chin hair and yeah, just, just the, the chops, chops to the stash. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now that is a look. Run for president. Get shot by my <laughs> opponent. Yeah, I got. <laughs> that also very very com- more yeah. common than yeah. it should start have been a railroad or train company. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Probably a bad a- thing to start in 2018, but. Well, may, but not in the yeah. you know, 1864. Well, but I'm definitely feeling the vibe at the very least. 
Got to get yeah. that Red Dead going. We'll be stepping away next episode from the super dark serial killers. And we're going to be, uh, for those who are excited, we're going to be talking about the Fengdu ghost city in China oh. that dates back over 2,000 years. And according to legend, two Eastern Han Dynasty imperial officials used Taoist practices to become immortal over there. And they're there now. How fun. They're still there to this very day. From super dark to, some theories. to supernatural. I'm excited. I, oh, yeah, we got no. it. It's like season two of the Chiluminati. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> no, see, we are we are almost at year two. Fe- February is year two for us. That's crazy. Ooh. That's crazy. Yeah, I figured we do- we dove too deep. We got to come up for some air. Let's talk talk about some insane shit. Still waiting for that Jesse Run episode. Uh, and Alex, if you're looking up something insane, let's do it. I've got I've got right some baby it. notes on a couple things, but. As per my custom, I will not share them with you. I have you some notes yes, on a baby, so... Ooh, is yeah. it is it Dodger's baby? Is she super cute? Uh, I'm not even sure that baby's real. Could You've be been, a hologram. Oh, okay. you, that's I'm what your on, episode's I'm, about? I'm, I'm, on, I'm digging in deep. It could be a hologram. This, this whole thing, the th- it goes all the way to the top! Just like your friend's house like in, in the neighborhood where you live. That's where, makers, that's where all makers leftover money went. <laughs> yeah. Project Dodger 2.0. Project Dodger 2.0. They were looking for a replacement uh, host. Shout out to everyone who has to no read. idea who Dodger is listening right now. Uh, that's God very bless. true. We have, a t- we have a ton of people who listen only to this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's wrap this up Google then. It. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, hey, we have products. Go buy them. Support us. It's fantastic. We've got T-shirts, hats, and stickers. Uh, and we, I, we probably have some other stuff working in the background that we can't talk about for a little while until they get approved. Um, but go check that stuff out as well as if you listen to us on iTunes, rate us five stars. We're almost at 600 five star reviews. Guys, Ooh, seriously, please. go pick up that hat. That snapback hat is so cool. I, I love that hat. It looks, it's part it of my looks set. like, look it up. Just like, you know what? If you're one of those people who's listening and you're like, I'm not going to buy this. There's no way. Just do me the solid of looking up the hat. Just go look and see how cool the hat is first. You're going to be like, oh, shit, maybe I do want this. I'm just saying. It is dope, dope, dope. And as always, a big thank you to uh, our sponsor, Beard Brand, for hooking us up. Uh, We appreciate you guys watching over us. Making me smell good. uh, Making people think I have my shit together in real life. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's great. Uh, And as always, follow us on Twitter. Jesse Cox for Jesse. Fasian AA for Alex. And Mathis Games for myself. We will be back in a couple of weeks, as we always are. Well, usually are. Uh, And we'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.